Hello, my name is Jerry Durham, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, What's Best for the Patient is Best for the Business. This podcast was put together for you, the healthcare practice owner wants to achieve success in your healthcare practice and turn this practice, this clinic into a business. So if you want growth and scalability that drives financial performance, all three of those don't always come together. But if you want that, then you've come to the right place. I'm here to help you be most successful in your healthcare practice and turn it into a business. Cheers. Thanks for coming. All right. Welcome back, Jerry Durham. I'm, um, there's a lot of history with today. It's not just with Ryan, not really with Ryan, but there's a lot of history coming at you from today's episode. I've got Ryan Smith here of the APHPT, correct? Did I say that right? Correct. What's that yep. stand for? Applied Prevention and Health Promotion Therapies. Okay, cool. You guys are going to hear that acronym a lot more. And it's associated with Mike Eisenhart and Proactivity, right? So Proactivity is the actual business, right? Uh, actually, APHPT is its own separate entity. Can we say that proactivity is the is the teaching in action, maybe? Uh, yeah, uh, one example of them, yeah. Okay, good, yeah, one example. So cool. So I want to share a little story here just to set the context. So I don't know, maybe on past episodes, you guys have heard me bring up Mike Eisenhardt or proactivity. And um, it's, it's come in full circle again because I'm thinking, I can't remember the exact year. It was either 2016 or 17. And I had a chance to drive up and um, actually spend a day with Mike up at the Proactivity site up in Jersey. And it was that day when we went back into his office and he had a big white uh, whiteboard that was filled. And he really filled me in on this mindset of where we have to be working, where we have to be spending our energy, and really the mindset we have to get in to really impact healthcare as physios, as physical therapists, in a manner that we've been trained to do. By the way, I'm going to say this very uh, distinctly is maybe not in the manner we want to do it, because a lot of people are resistant to this. Yeah, but in the manner we need to, and I'll say from, you know, the title of this show is what's best for the patient is best for the business is Mm -hmm. also this model that Ryan's going to talk about fits perfectly. And um, Mike really flipped me and my thinking and really tipped me into going, okay, how do I help clients? How do I impact people to start moving in this direction? And I'm just going to throw out some terms real quick, move in the direction of going upstream, you know, quit thinking at tertiary level, let's go to the primary level. And many of you have heard past interviews with, you know, I've spoken to Dr. Katie O'Brien, Dr. Rebecca Griffith, Dr. Rebecca Seagraves. Um, Dr. Gretchen Halley, who I think even has a good model for thinking a little further up, talking to all of them recently and some other people. So this is going to be a great continuation of that conversation. So welcome, Ryan. And um, I'm going to let you do the talking and I might just try to clarify some things if we need. So give us a little history of APHPT, what you guys are doing, what's coming up, because I want you to share the education because people will have an opportunity to actually get involved and um, learn some of these skills. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on, Jerry. Um, you know, it should be, you know, this is kind of a ghost of Christmas past because when I graduated in 2016, Jerry and I were at Entropy doing continued education there, drinking bourbon with Sarah and Sandy. And that kickstarted me into looking at the business side of PT way, way different. Um, so I took a couple of years off and now I'm back. And lo and behold, Jerry Durham is here to 
um, open up the door once again. So it feels like, uh, you know, if you leave PT, you'll always come back and Jerry will still be there 30 years from now. Maybe it'll still be the same. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's a good thing and a bad thing. I'll let people decide <laughs> on their own. That's true. But yeah, so now I, uh, when I came back and got in the profession after a couple of years off, uh, which was good for me in a host of ways, um, got back involved with proactivity primarily, which is, you know, direct to employer sort of business that we have. We do have a physical location that does some sort of PT and strength conditioning and has a little gym, but primarily the work that proactivity does is direct to employers, meaning that in a sense, we get paid directly by companies who ask us to take care of their people. Um, for them, it's can we reduce the cost of what healthcare costs us or what we're paying for workers' comp or for safety and injuries, right? So it's a direct one there. Or the other part of it is, can you just help our people take care of themselves, right? Can either do good for the business side or can you do good for our people? And that's the one of the two avenues. What they don't realize and probably pertinent to this podcast is that as you take care of the people, the long-term view and actual outcome of that is actually taking care of the business and healthcare costs and safety and workers' comp. Uh, you can't tell a company that in day one and say, well, hey, if we uh, stop this guy from having a heart attack in 25 years, imagine the savings. Like nobody's ever going to say that, but that is truly the way we think long-term. And then it's also having the short-term for the business as well. So that's the proactivity side directly to employers um, for that. And Mike Eisenhower, as, as you know, if you've ever met Mike, Incredible has talked about it for him, Amy, and Eric now, who runs it directly as managing partners. Um, I've been doing it for 25 years. So it's not even this crazy theory. I think even back in 2016, Mike had been doing it for a while. But even then, when we heard it, we're like, oh, this is a cool idea, but like, what is it? And now in 2023, it, it's not an idea in it anymore. Like, it's proven. We have data, we have clients and employers. It's just like, this is how it's done. And, you know, I've gotten a chance to enter in proactivity in a time where we're growing at a rate because of that uh, and being able to learn from that. So it's quite amazing. The APHPT side of it, I think, is all those people uh, that you kind of mentioned. Those are the types of folks that we're trying to facilitate with APHPT. And it's just a fundamentally different way to care, meaning we're PTs, we have this license, and like we don't realize the amount of freedom and ability that gives us to create change in a host of different ways. And I look at my license now as the most important thing. There was a time when I used to like, oh, do I even really need a PT license? What I'm doing is this or that. Like I'm training people, I'm doing stuff in the gym. And then as you kind of swing the pendulum the other way, you realize, man, this license gives me the ability to do some of the most amazing things if I'm willing to go meet people where they're at, right? And that is sort of what the HPHPT is there to teach you about. We kind of have three ways we look at people for this. We have your guides, which is your folks who you are still in the clinic and you want to affect change in a long term with your folks in ways that are good for them that might not always be the best for the immediate, what can I charge this person? What's the right ICD-10 code? Those types of things. But in the long run for your clinic and the community, it's probably the best way to get behavioral change. And ultimately, in this case, if you help someone lose weights or look at their cardiovascular health differently or any one of those things, and you're able to breach that conversation with them, to your point, that's no longer a patient. That is basically an advocate for your business for life. And those are the things we want to start because that's the way to get upstream for those. If you get past the guides and you have the facilitators, I think everybody you mentioned, you know, the Katie O'Brights, the Rebecca's, all the folks, whether you're in emergency department, working with groups of MS, these are people who are facilitating groups in ways that are getting that whole group to change in a direction of an upstream sort of approach to healthcare, right? 
the emergency department literally might be at a, at a really big part of that. Finding a, a group of people with multiple sclerosis and saying, hey, what are the things we actually need to look at you holistically for? And then that the sort of very end of this is like the architect sort of uh, persona that we have. Proactivity is an architect, right? We build out these sort of services and quasi products for these employers by going directly to them and then going direct to their people. It's the folks who are like, I want to make this stick. I want to make it big. I want to get in front of 10,000 employees or employers or things like those lines. And it is a different way because you have to all of a sudden start thinking of, well, what are their healthcare costs? What are their safety risk workers comp costs? They're going to ask you, what are you going to save me on day one? And it isn't enough to be like, well, you know, we're going to give your people PT. Like if they can see a physical, well, no, that's not what they're really buying. You're actually looking at these other things. And proactivity as an architect has been able to do that really well. But we know a lot of people. Hey, real quick. Yeah. I love the way you said that. Where, okay, we're not going to train you to stand in front of an employer of 10,000 people and say, we're going to give you PT. And that's what really flipped me out of that tertiary care mindset. Yeah. Because it's actually, and I still tell people to this day, because I've got a couple of clients I'm trying to push in this direction. What's what's a bigger value you can deliver outside of the PT part of it? Yes. And getting them to think, think that way of going, well, if we get them to spend some money with us further upstream, it could be less money because we're going to have more people in the system. And actually, by the time they have to come to us for PT, the cost is so crazy that... Yeah that there's no value there to the person you're pitching. So if you go in and pitch PT and it's old tertiary model, you're playing yeah. a losing game from the get-go. Yeah. And one, it's a great sales point. You know, I'm trying to find clients here in Baltimore. And when I tell them at the get-go, I'm like, if I'm going to sell you me being a full-time PT and your staff five days a week, it's not going to be worth anywhere near what you need. Like it's not what you need unless you had 100,000 people or more, maybe even then. But then at that point, you're still only getting the 1% of those employees that are going to see who are going to see you even if you didn't have for that service directly to the employer. What you're really trying to say to the employer is, hey, that middle 50% or that middle majority, right, who are kind of on the fence of if they need to do something or not. They've had that nagging elbow thing, or maybe their blood pressure is slightly higher, this or that, but just need to kind of be pushed in the right direction and slowly shifted. If you can make a dent in that group, if you can actually shift those people or get to them right as the tertiary things begin and not let it sit for 10 years in the healthcare system, man, you you won't be able to say, hey, I'll save you $10,000 in this person, but you will be able to do a host of things within the services that your license allows you to be able to move that middle chunk. And when people start to really buy into that, employers all of a sudden see their culture change over a few years then they're like, oh, we didn't know there was any other way to do it. Um, and, and that's the big point there. Not the 1% who are going to use, you know, the newest health app or uh, whatever they're looking at, because only, again, a percentage will use it. It's the, what are you going to be able to do to meet the people at the middle and actually change their minds and have them develop the behaviors and get upstream in their lives to do that sort of stuff. Um, for oh, me, yeah, that's the fun entrepreneur's part of it, right? Oh, it's great. Yeah, let me throw something in here just so... Because what I want people to hear is, right, so I go into a group, because I want to use your example, I go into the group, there's 100,000 employees. Okay, I'll be your PT. You end up with the same people by being inside the space that you would have been in if you were in the community. So the time, energy, and money is not even worth it. And by the way, what are they going to pay you? Probably they're going to look at their insurance coverage and whatever the fuck the insurer would have paid you. So really, it's a 
I'm, I'm going to call it a no, no gain, no win solution. Yeah. Now you said, now we take a step back. How can we get to that middle 50%? Because now we can make an impact. Correct. I love this word impact, dude. Like mm-hmm. you said, even by the way, getting those people right on the front end of tertiary instead of waiting for them, like you said, four months. I remember getting those workers comp people four, six, eight, nine months in. And I was like, what am I going to do here? It was almost, I almost want to go hit someone, punch someone in the face (laughs) for sending them to me. I'm like, "You, you, you screwed me. You made me look bad. Not because I can't help them, but because they're sitting there in front of me hoping for a result. Right. Yeah. Instead of getting that same workers comp person in a prod, so you're in the business, you start them with the day they get injured, right? And yep. then there is no nine months down the road, right? And that's where I want to bring this back to the business side. So let, let's do the example that workers comp person who Ryan's in the business and sees the day they get injured, not nine months later. The person who has high blood pressure, Ryan gets a hold of. That's where the money is to be made. The money isn't to be made six months down the road, nine months down the road when they finally call your clinic. Yep. Because we all know that ain't working. By the way, I stood in front of a group of students and said, I'm leaving it worse than I found it. You guys have to understand that. I have, I could not show you one ounce of data that says healthcare in America is better than when I got into it 30 years ago. And I have to own that. And it's not better. So, so there's nothing we're doing in the current models at mass that we can justify to continue doing. And I'll say that out loud, and this is going out, everybody needs to hear this model, because not only can we make a bigger impact in the health of people, I'm just gonna say the health, whatever mm-hmm. that means, yeah. but we can get paid more for it, people, if we yes. think this way. So thanks for letting me jump in there. I wanted people to just think yeah. this is, because this is the conversation that Mike really hit. No, if we don't get, if we wait here, if they get into the clinic, we're, we're all fucked financially, health-wise, everything. The data will prove that. By the way, you want data to prove something? Prove that right there. Yeah. No, we bring up that sort of, uh, you know, leaving it worse off point that when Mike start, first started teaching this course, the average cost per adult American on healthcare in the country was $3,600. As of today, it is now 4300 Wait per- a minute. $3,600 a year? Uh, yeah, I think it was a year. Now it's 43. So yeah, just by the way, that's multiplied by every adult in America, not by five, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So even within that from 2016, roughly to now, it's gone up $700 per adult American for it, which is just nutty to think about in terms of all that um, and have the prevalence of it. But yeah, you're right. I got, you know, as, as a person who owned and ran a gym and clinic sort of facility, who did membership and patients and how do you fill all those gaps and things like that, uh, this, I think I knew about this, but until you're in it, you don't really appreciate that. I get to stop having all these conversations around, you know, exercise or e-stim or cracking or this or that, or the right treatment approach and say, like, what do we need to do to get all the way further up to actually influence that though? That is a skill set, And I think as a craft for our profession makes us amazing, but those can be better utilized if you're able to get in front of people and meet them where they're at. And I will say the meeting people where they're at is not at a not without sacrifice, right? Part of proactivity is that we're meeting crews and blue collar workers out at four, five, six a.m. because we know those guys or gals would never see us otherwise. They wouldn't give. They're not going to come to the noon lunch when you're offering pizza or salad or this or that and say, you know what? I'll give you time of day. 
they have work to do. They need to do this. And if you can't find a way to meet them where they're at, and it's going to be at some sacrifice to you and your endeavor or company, and you have to figure out what that sacrifice is, then you're not going to be able to. But in terms of making things accessible, meeting people where they're at, you're going to have to lose out on something in what you're doing. And you have to figure out what that right amount is to then make it plausible for these people to be it easy to you. Because they expect anybody to drive to a clinic, utilize your services and change them at some point. It's just not plausible in most people's lives between 25 and 50 or 55 when we know this massive health change occurs for everybody. Yeah, I've really started to, and I've already said it once or three times, but I'll say it again. The days of sitting back and twiddling your thumbs and waiting for the phone call of, of which, and you're going to give someone a date so they can schedule to get in the car, right? To leave work, to leave home, to pay for daycare, do whatever they need to do, lose pay. Fuck, I knew people that had to submit vacation time to PT, dude. We we just that 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 I, and and let me just throw a big caveat out there, a big asterisk. Yeah. There will still be a tertiary need, yet we can't build our whole profession around it. We can't build the, and this is what I'm trying to get my current clients to understand. You don't have to blow anything up, right? No. You don't have to take your current model and blow it up. We're talking about if you understand the business side of your current model, then things like this will fit perfectly within yeah. that model. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's uh it's funny to hear you say that now because I mean when you first started preaching about making your front office staff and the patient experience the key. <laughs> I laugh at that. I'm like, cool. Jerry's really figured that out to help out the tertiary aspect of that. And now even Jerry's like, I've done this, done it really well for a long time. Now I need to figure out, well, if that experience is great, how do I get to all the people who aren't getting that experience? Well, you know where that started real quick. Here, yeah. here here's the, th this is great. I'm glad you brought that up. This whole idea, this front desk idea, this is great. I'm so glad you brought this up. This whole front desk idea started as a call center sitting in Kansas mm. because Kansas was the geographical center. And it was going to be the 1-800-PT-GET-PT number. And those people, I even got to the point where I wanted to do like the start back app. They were going to, dude, they were going to screen people. Yeah. They, right. They were going to do more of the work right? Other than first name, last name, what's your insurance? Let's get you scheduled. What's your diagnosis? But I had, I had envisioned a screening type system to get people, which I'm even pushing harder these days because we have more resources for it. But does this person need to get scheduled, dude? So yep. just, just for the record, that, the fact <laughs> you brought that up, that's where it started. You know why it died? Started, by the way, the idea started about 12, 13, 14, 15 years ago. You know why yeah. it died? There wasn't one fucking PT or business in this whole country I talked to who wanted any part of that. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> so just, just, I'm so yeah. glad you brought that up because I was like, all right. And by the way, I'm going back that way again. I'm yeah. looking for people to, to build out because, right? Because let's think about it. We're talking about upstream. Well, your phone is upstream. If, by the way, Tell me how upstream your front desk is when the next appointment isn't for two weeks, four weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eesh. All right. But but yeah, this was the idea because even before I ran into Mike, I still had this idea that look, we, we gotta do better here, right? We gotta create, we gotta create a conversation and some value, which means I gotta talk to you, Ryan, about what do you really need from me? Yeah, right. And I think it's specifying too the reason like physios and PTs fit nicely into that 
it, I should we should be specific that is the musculoskeletal pie, like the piece of that. And in healthcare, that is such a massive piece you could argue is the entire pie at some points. Like we aren't trying to solve all these things in healthcare. We take our license that would give us so much freedom to you know help resolve and figure out the musculoskeletal piece. If you start talking about musculoskeletal care to employers, they know what that means. So we have XYZ, low back pain, right knee pain, right shoulder stuff. Like we have all these pains that are costing us this. I can tell you how much it's costing me and I need to figure this out. And as musculoskeletal experts, if we truly are, and we can't help employers figure out, especially if they're self-funded or insured, because then they'll really be looking for you, you figure it out. And you know, you start working with them, you start working with brokers and the companies themselves with their self-insured and funded. And people now are just like, how are you going to solve this issue? Not like, how can you, you know, fix my XYZ pain? It's how can you solve my issue? And that's what the employers are looking for. And if you can do it and do it upstream, you'll be able to do it really well from that aspect. Um, so the APHPT, you know, trying to utilize and, and funnel that from a training aspect, I think that's where we really start to see of well, how do you one even understand the problem, right? Do you know what the musculoskeletal issue problem in this country is and how massively significant it is? Do you understand how the cardiovascular components and nervous system components fit into this? So if somebody does have an upstream shoulder issue, well, do they actually have a cardiovascular issue? And are you able to resolve that stuff before it gets there? Then are you able to see that problem and start to apply it to groups, communities, or employers around you in ways that you're facilitating that really, really well? And then ultimately, if you want to make it and make that leap, how do you actually create and build as an architect the solution for that person in front of you or that employer, I should say? And, you know, you know catch 22 here, maybe, or not surprised to anybody, that is going to look slightly different by the employer, right? Our client that we have in, you know, upstate New York or out in Jersey is going to be different than the one we have in South Carolina based on what their people are doing and where they're expected to do on the job. So it doesn't create this sort of cookie cutter like, oh, I have this neat thing. I'm just going to roll out to everybody like, well, everybody needs PT. No, everybody needs a solution. And you need to be able to either guide, facilitate or build that for that employer in front of you. And if you can speak their language, understand the musculoskeletal problem, that's just what APHPT is hopefully to do for you. A good example to add to your list, I think, is Catherine Sylvester, um, who, if you've heard of Operation Mist, she's using trackable wearable data for postpartum moms, specifically in the African-American community. Like that is facilitating a massive group problem in a way that goes way upstream, meets the people where they're at, and provides a solution. And I think there's tons of PTs doing that. We're just trying to help facilitate to give them a little bit more training around the problem that already exists, how they can build it out themselves, and maybe just to think about their license a little bit differently. So talk about the program, dude. What's the time? What's the, is it online, in person? What, what, what's it like? Yeah, awesome. online it's over, uh, begins uh, the week of October 9th. So it's over six weeks. We're gonna have- if you're listening to this, um, this is going to be posted before October 9th, 2023. So you have an opportunity to jump in. Yes. So you can, uh, it'll be three essentially virtual quote unquote live meetings and then asynchronous work in between those. Um, and even if you're not interested in the course, please look at APHPT as a community group for membership to reach out to. We've kind of been a little stagnant, I think, for a couple of years as a lot of folks post-pandemic are kind of getting their bearings straight. And we're really trying to reintroduce this and be like, this is something that a lot of people are doing really well. We want to facilitate that more and build out the community. So APHPT for membership, you can always go to there or the course begins the week of October 9th over the six-week period. 
three live visits with asynchronous work in between. This is good. So there's three levels. Mention the levels again. Guide, facilitator, or architect. It's sort of like a levels or personas in that that we just to us. Yeah. And should be said, like the guide, if you're in the clinic and you just want to start thinking about that shoulder pain differently, that's totally fine. Well, I can't recommend this enough. I mean, I have every interview I've done for like the last 12 weeks, I get to the end of it and just go, you just <laughs> got to sign up for this stuff, people. Because, yeah. right, it's, right? I mean, where's it start? It starts with walking in the room and, and by the way, I missed all of this in my my treating days. There is rarely any of this shit I'm listening to right now where I'm like, fuck, I didn't do any of this. And it is what it is, but I'm just telling you, I didn't do it. Um, So I'm not speaking like, hey, I did all this. You got to join up. I'm yeah. telling you, someone who didn't do it and now looks at the research and talks to these people doing the work, all those people I mentioned, Ryan, APTH, right? Th- this is where we got to go. And I'm going to say this right now, too. If the younger you are and the earlier you are in this profession, the more I encourage you to do this. I did not tell you to sign up for a fellowship. I did not say sign up for a clinical internship. I said sign up for stuff like the APHPT. Sign up for things like Dr. Rebecca Seagraves, Dr. Rebecca Griffith, Dr. Katie O'Brien's programs. Sign up for those now because if nothing else, they're going to get you in the correct mindset to solve bigger problems. By the way, solve bigger problems, do it in your community. Be the example, right? You you already use some of those examples of people. You know, you use the example of uh, Catherine, was it Catherine? Sullivan? Yeah, I think it's Catherine Sylvester. Yeah, yeah Sylvester, yeah. sorry. Yeah, and you know, Dr. Rebecca Seagraves was the one, you know, I see her posting stuff that Right. If if a if a woman is pregnant and has a history of high blood pressure, the postpartum potential outcomes are right. Bad things that can happen. Sorry, postpartum bad outcomes that can happen. You start checking boxes. So if you have someone in the community working with right, working with women who are black, who are thinking about getting pregnant, by the way, what a great group. Go to a group <laughs> right here. You want to go upstream? Don't wait till the postpartum and they're having the symptoms. Go upstream to women looking to get pregnant and make an impact there, right? Yep. And prevent the need for all the work and money afterwards, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there's so many examples, right? So many. But you got to get in the right mindset back to your, back to the the guide level. Is that what it is? The first Yeah. Guide, facilitator, architect, kind of three levels. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, especially if you're a new grad student, right? Like when I first came out in 2016, just seven years ago already, Jerry. You feeling old yet or not? No, dude. It seems like no. Don't re- remember <laughs> everything in my life is 2020. So if you say 17 or 20, 2000, if you yep. if you say 17, I'm just like oh, 17 years ago, right? <laughs> and everything everything revolves around yeah, 2000. Yeah. Nothing occurred before then, dude. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So it ain't that long ago. But I give to like this is my probably lash out to the students of everything. I just. I've said this a few times on Twitter now, but I feel for all the students because you, you start hearing so many voices out there and it feels like you're either the worst at what you're doing. In oh your yeah, fuck it. That, that's awesome, dude. That's good. There's no, there's no gray, right? You either yeah, right? suck or you're really, or you're the greatest ever. Yes. And like, there's no in between and it's hard to figure out like what I should be doing. And if I feel like I am doing it well, well, it's actually not the right thing I should be doing when in we kind of peel the layers back. Like there's just a different way to think about how to use our license, not just what we're doing to the people in front of us. And I think when that clicked for me, and Mike has told me this multiple times when I've been training at getting better at what I do with proactivity, he's like, 
dude, you are needed for your evaluation and critical thinking skills. That's all I need you to do. I don't even need you to treat most of the time. I need you to be able to think through solutions and evaluate. And when you realize that that is your biggest sort of asset you have with your license, then you're going to be able to take a step back and realize the value that you're providing. And if I can get students to kind of think of it that way and not try to travel this like, well, if I got this skill or this or that, you can still develop it as a craft, but appreciate that your license can be so much more than that. So... Yeah, I agree fully. I want to add to that. If, if you're a student listening to this or a brand new grad and you're looking at this load of debt and you're looking at your license and you're looking at this world in front of you, I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to, if you want to look at opportunities that will help you to make a big impact and at the same time get paid in a manner that you can live a life that you want to live with that debt, right? Meaning however you want to manage it, yeah. then you've got to be, you can't be looking at a, at an old model. You know, I'm going to go get a job somewhere where I'm treating, by the way, oh, I only have C6 patients a day, eight patients a day. I'm like, that's still the old model. <laughs> you just can't. And I'm sorry. And, and again, I, I work with clients in that model and I'm helping them, but I'm trying to get people to start thinking about how are we going to add more value to our community from what you've already created. So I love saying it like that. Now, if you're a student coming out in that model, then you have to show up. You want to get paid more. Just had this talk. And you've gone through the APHPT work and you're sitting across from me in an interview and you're sharing with me and you're sharing with me how you can lead this, how you can guide this of what you learned. And I've already done some work in this. Your value is increasing immensely. And by the way, we can attach a dollar to that amount because if we're doing what's best for the patient, it's what's best for the business. So if you truly want to come into the profession and not leave it, then you've got to be looking for these opportunities and you've got to realize this is where the leverage is. And by the way, you're on the front end. You're not going to find back to your point. You're not going to find a lot of people doing it. But boy, you better find the people doing it and attach yourself to them. <laughs> and by the way, don't recreate the fucking will. There's nothing you can come out and do that hasn't already been done. APHPT, the people we've mentioned multiple times, attach yourself to them, contact them, see what they're doing, right? All these different, we've already talked about all these different ways. And then the APT, APHPT has programs <laughs> to get you thinking in the right way. And then to even bring you to the point where you're partying, starting to structure and build the solutions, not just going, hmm, we need the solution, right? Yep. Yeah, 100%. Appreciate that. That's a good way to explain it. Dude, I just, because I just sat in front of some students and I went, I am here to tell you, right? A, I'm leaving it worse. You guys got to fucking fix it. And B, if you keep doing it the way I did it last 30 years, you're going to leave it worse. You have choices. <laughs> You have power. You, by the way, I tell them that license and that D in front of the PT gives you power and you have to know how to leverage it. Oh, man. And that's the example you've been giving. So yeah. if you go do another fellowship, if you go do another clinical internship that 10,000 other people are moving out of this year, you're not really doing much to advance the world and the impact you can make in it. I'll say it out loud. If you go spend your time, energy, and money with the likes of the APHPT and the Katie O'Brights and everybody else I've mentioned, then you, you are going to take 
your skills to the next level and make such a big impact. Everybody's going to want to hire you and everybody's going to want to pay you a lot of money. Let's just put it that way. And let's yeah. go back to the examples Ryan used, right? Self-employed, self-insured, sorry, employers know their dollars, man. Oh, yeah. And then you get paid on the actual work you're doing, right? Literally the work you're yeah. doing, not yeah. the 20 patients a day work you're doing. 100%. Exactly. Yeah. You know, for all the grief our profession gets for, or even at APTA's professional organization, the fact that we have a doctorate, I can say it does hold some weight and we have direct access and a license that allows us to practice. A lot. Leverage it, man. Find it. Instead of oh, telling man. me what you can't do, right? Start checking the boxes. And I love the way you started that out, Ryan. This whole conversation around the license is giving me the opportunity to do this yeah. and to do it at a level that probably you didn't and I didn't certainly didn't know we could do it at. And it wasn't, I just didn't know, didn't ask, <laughs> didn't look for it, right? Exactly. Not to mention the PT compact as it continues to grow and build out. Like it's just easier to get. Oh yeah. Time. Even better, dude. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. So yeah. all that well, it means your opportunity. Yeah. So now we've got, yeah. Oh yeah. Meet people where they're at more easily directly in a host of ways and our licensure and our profession allows us to do so. And uh, it's, you know, it's a pretty big, I think Mike calls it uh, the big, like wide blue ocean out there for us who are kind of looking at the upstream effects of that. Yeah. You can do it as that way versus this is a piece of pie that's shrinking and getting lower. And I need to see how many patients like, like that's going to be, as you put 30 years, I don't even know if that model is going to be effective unless you're seeing who knows how many patients you need to see a day. So we'll see. But even effective, right? Effective, not just for your paycheck, <laughs> but effective for the people you're serving. Yes, exactly. 100%. The, the money, I'm just going to say it, the money is upstream. And by the way, the input, right? I started talking about this potential impact and risk, right? And when you look at the potential, the bigger the potential, typically the bigger impact, I got to tell you, it's low risk. Well, where is the risk in this? Yeah. I'm going to argue this is what's crazy to me. The risk is in doing the same thing. Low potential, low impact, high risk. Why yeah. is it high risk? Well, show me the last time payment went up. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. By the way, and and show me how many, right? Yeah, whatever. We could go down a lot of other examples. And, you know, and replicating, you know, I see people, I saw a post the other day. And if I didn't look at the name on the post, it was just another, right? It was just another trainer. And it was a PT. And I'm like, you know, so you, so you say it's your DPT is not worth it. I got to go over here. And now you're going to battle and market and challenge the personal trainers that have been there forever. So I'm like, you you just exchange one problem for another. Oh no, but I'm smarter. I'm like, but you don't, this DPT and license didn't make you smarter than a personal trainer, right? Right. So how do we leverage that, right? Instead of going, I'm going to become a personal trainer with a D in front of it, right? How do I leverage that to make that big impact, man? Yep. Yeah, because to your point, the model for PT is for the patients is still the same. And I'd argue for personal training or gyms, because I've done both, it's a membership model, right? To some degree, if you want to scale it, it's and both of those are there. There's other alternatives to those two models uh, and proactivity. And yeah, it, it just it baffles me. I'm like, so you're leaving one, right? Jumping to another profession that's been around forever, establishing itself and is taking over social media. And you're just going to be another person to scroll past. I'm like, I'm not exactly sure how you can 
what solution, what problem you've solved, right? And actually of what you've given up, by the way. Yeah. And still holding your DPT and doing that. Yep. And as yeah. fee-for-service reimbursement becomes less, the healthcare costs are still going up for companies. Oh, there we go. Oh, there we go. That's See, the piece this I think is that, the thing. So that, the potential is getting bigger. And that's what's interesting in this model of where's the potential. If healthcare costs keep going up, that means the potential for your impact is bigger. Yeah. By the way, with changing the same exact thing, taking one person today and changing something, as healthcare costs goes up, that same person changing it, you you get to show a bigger impact. Yep, exactly. Oof, we could probably talk about this for three more hours. Of yeah, dude. So um, APH, <laughs> where do they find the info, dude? Yeah, uh, APHPT is on Instagram. I think it's just at APHPT. Or you can reach out to me at ryan.smith at APHPT.org. Um, either of those, well, I can get you access to whatever you need to and reach out uh, via message via that. So I'll make sure we have info in the notes and everything um, down below so everybody can find you guys. But yeah, I love this conversation because these are just starting to flow together. And it's, I you know, I people got to start to get uncomfortable and they got to start going, right? Okay, so where do I go? And again, I think I've proven over the last 12 weeks, not six weeks, right? If you just go back up through my podcast or look through my YouTube, there are people, right? There are people you can attach yourself to. There are people you can start to learn from to say, hey, maybe I don't have to do it. Yeah. The same way everybody else is. And then I can make a bigger impact both from a health perspective and to my my personal bottom line, aka money in the bank. 100%. Cool. All right. Thank you, Ryan. Anything else you want to throw in? Uh, no, I'll be back at CSM this year. So if you're out there and you see me, I'll be doing some stuff with PT in the community and Patrick Burner. Oh, there's, yeah, that's good. There, there, there's a good thing to hype. So yeah, PT well, in the community. So good. And yeah. uh, CSM's in Boston? Where? Yeah, Boston in February. Boston. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, dude, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, good. So APHPT. That's correct. Um, I'll make sure there's info for you below and you guys start looking for it. All right. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, Jared.